What's up, everybody? This is the Pearsall Bros Podcast. My name is Mark, and I'm with my brother, Pat. Non-conference play is officially over in the Pac-12, and we get three big matchups this week. Colorado visits Oregon, UCLA battles Utah, and Oregon State travels north to Washington State for some compelling matchups. The NFL is through week two, and are the Dolphins really good? Did the Seahawks right the ship? And do the Jets need to find a new quarterback to lead their team? We discuss that and more. Hope you guys enjoy it. Everybody, welcome to September 18th. Is the night we are recording this podcast. We have just finished with non-conference play in college football. We're gonna start there. We'll get to the NFL later. There's been a couple of conference games uh, sprinkled throughout, and last weekend, you know, the SEC had some conference games, and some of the other conferences did. Stanford has already got destroyed by USC, but it was the last weekend of really all non-conference games for the Pac-12. And as we mentioned in last week's episode, a lot of ho-hum, pretty boring opponents, and the Pac-12 did exactly what they should have. I think the best win of the weekend had to have been the Washington Huskies over Michigan State. They go into East Lansing and put it on the Spartans, 41-7. to Michael Penix throws for 473 yards, four touchdowns. Their wide receiver, Odunzi, has 100-plus receiving yards in the first three games and had 180 against Michigan State. Everybody else destroyed their opponents, so I'm not going to get into the weeds in all of the games. And everybody else, of course, then still stays ranked. There are a couple top 25 teams that lose, so a few teams slid up a bit. USC, though, they had a bye. They stay at five. Washington stays at eight. Oregon, Utah, Oregon State all slide up. Oregon's 10. Utah is 11. Oregon State is 14. Um, Washington State, UCLA also bump up a spot. Washington State to 21. UCLA to 22. Colorado, the, certainly the most entertaining football game of the weekend. Double overtime versus in-state rival Colorado State. They get the win, which is a big deal. Anytime you win, you don't, you're not going to apologize for it. They do slide back to 19 because I think everybody was expecting them to demolish Colorado State. But these are still 18 to 22-year-old kids, and Pat and I were kind of kicking around the idea, should they have beaten them by more? Or are we is Colorado, are Colorado showing their true colors? Um, too, too early to tell. They did lose their, you know, hard to say who their best player is, it's a good argument that Shadur Sanders is Colorado's best player. That guy is for real. But their two-way all-star stud Heisman Trophy candidate Travis Hunter goes out after a cheap shot in the first quarter. Unfortunately, suffers a lacerated liver. Like, ugh. Yeah, that was that was rough. I mean, I gotta say, I watched. I didn't get a chance to watch the whole game. I was out doing stuff, but I was able to get in for the end of the fourth quarter and all about OT and. Uh, Colorado State was playing dirty. They really did take it personal. I mean, they really did. Now, granted, it's a you know quote unquote rivalry game, if only for the Rams, if not if not also for the Buffs. But I mean, and I appreciate the intensity. You want to win, cheap shots across the board. Like I said, I watched twenty minutes of football. They were trying to hurt guys. There's no room for it. 
in any sport. Pat and I have, uh, we root for the competing schools in the game that used to be called the Civil War, Oregon State and Oregon. A lot of games have happened, really competitive, really physical. Not a lot of cheap shots, quite honestly. No. Um, and you don't want to see it, and it's not, and I, I'm, I'm surprised he wasn't, I mean, he was flagged for pass interference, or excuse me, I think he was flagged for a personal foul, but he should have been kicked out of the game. The player for Colorado State they were uh, mentioning who took Travis Hunter out of the game. Now, it's they've broken the news that he is receiving death threats, which is way crossing the line. There's absolutely no room for that. That is not okay at all. But a cheap shot is a cheap shot. And if you cheap shot someone in any sport, you know, you just elbow someone in the head in basketball or you, you know, punch somebody in baseball, you should be kicked out of the game. It is that simple. And he essentially did that, even though he didn't tag him in the midsection with his helmet. He still hit him way after the play. But, so that was sort of the the biggest action from uh, the weekend last week. Looking forward, well, there's a handful of big national games. The biggest game, I think, of the weekend overall has got to be Ohio State at Notre Dame. Two top 10 teams going at it. That's going to be must-watch. Sam Hartman, who is the transfer from Wake Forest, who now quarterbacks Notre Dame, he has been untouchable. But kind of like everybody else, neither one of those schools have really played anybody. Notre Dame has a win against North Carolina State, but Ohio State hasn't played anybody worth mentioning yet either. Like a lot of the schools in the Pac-12, that game will, will be good. There are three main games, though, in the Pac-12 conference that I think are must-watch. It's really unfortunate two of them are going on at the same time. Now, the first one, Colorado versus Oregon. Colorado's first, well, don't tell Colorado State's not their first true test. That took them two overtimes for Colorado to win. But they get on the road in Eugene, real hostile environment against a, a, a name-worthy opponent. I think it's going to be back and forth. I think it's going to be offense all day. I think Oregon's going to win. You know, it's interesting. Before last week, I would have said Colorado was going to play them tight. Maybe Oregon's still coming out with the win because Oregon is a good team and they're in Eugene and all of that other stuff. After last week, you know, like you were saying, was Colorado showing their true colors? It's a brand new team, right? They they had to redo the whole team. So you were you would expect some bumps in the road. You know, they're not just going to come out and run the table and win all the games, win the championship and all that kind of stuff. Totally brand new team. That's to be expected. Um, With Travis Hunter going out, that's a huge loss. Is he the best player for Colorado? Maybe that's Shadur Sanders. Is he the most dynamic player in all of college football? Most definitely. Hands down. I mean, he's he's incredible. Plays both sides of the ball. It's unreal. So that's going to be a huge loss. Now, Colorado's good. I have a tremendous amount of faith in Coach Prime. Yeah. I mean, if anybody can get his team ready without their all-star player, it's him. I mean, I'm a Duck fan, and I'm still rooting for the Ducks, but I have to admit, I'm excited to see what Colorado does against a true, real opponent. Now, Colorado State gave them a run for their money, but nobody saw that one coming. Yeah. Everybody knows Oregon is good, and Oregon is gunning. For the Buffalo, I mean, Oregon has just been rolling their opponents so far, and I can see them looking at this as an opportunity to like, let's put the Ducks on the map, let's get inside that top ten, let's put up, you know, sixty on Colorado, which they can do. They, they that's kind of how Oregon likes to roll, and so 
We'll see what happens. There's no chance the Ducks look past Colorado. No way. Whereas you may have thought before the year that that would have been the case. And I think in particular because of Oregon's scare against Texas Tech, they know they're not perfect. Well, next week is Stanford. They're not looking past Colorado to Stanford. And we called it here on the Pearsall Bros podcast. We said they might lose to Sacramento State, the Stanford Cardinal, and they did. Awful. So uh, our prediction, they may go over uh, in the Pac-12. Uh, that's still a, a real potential. So, yeah, Colorado, Oregon. Now, Vegas has Oregon, and I don't watch the lines all the time, but it's sort of interesting and this one in particular, they have Oregon as a three-touchdown favorite, which that got that raised my eyebrows. I'm surprised. Now I expect Oregon to win. I would have I would have told you two scores, but uh, even without Travis Hunter, I think Colorado's going to score some points. And Texas Tech scored 30 on Oregon, so I think Colorado can get to 30 plus. It just like Pat said, this is an opportunity. If you are playing against Colorado and if you hammer them, the media is going to be hyping you up and all over you. So a good opportunity there. The next game, the next big game in the Pac-12 is UCLA versus Utah. Two top 25 teams. I think it's going to be close. Hard to tell from UCLA, quite honestly. Admittingly, I haven't watched a ton of their games because they've played teams like Coastal Carolina. They're basically the state champs of Carolina. They've played both Coastal Carolina and North Central Carolina. So I don't know what the connection is there between Pasadena and <laughs> and there, but those folks in Carolina are collecting a lot of miles. Anyways, Utah's defense is for real like it is all the time. So I know UCLA's got a couple of quarterbacks that they've been playing how are they going to play against a true test? I would put my money on Utah because it's in Salt Lake. These tight games, you kind of lean towards the home team. But Utah's played a couple of real teams. They've played Baylor, who they struggled to beat. They put it on Florida week one. And last week, Florida beat Tennessee. You know, that's a real team. So they've at least gone through a couple of tests. Now, I don't think Cam Rising, their initial starting quarterback, is going to play again. I think he's going to sit out, which makes this game truly competitive. And Utah's backup quarterbacks are kind of playing like backup quarterbacks. Inconsistent uh, and unreliable. So I, I think Utah by a hair. But I've seen Utah favored to win these games and lose and choke in the end and not do very well offensively. Right. And the other big game for the Pac-12 this week would be uh, Oregon State visiting Washington State up there in Pullman. I mean, I, Washington State doesn't, I mean, they're exceeding expectations, I would say. Yeah. Cam Ward, almost 1,000 yards passing, 990 on the year, no interceptions. So he's taking care of the ball. Uh, and they beat a real team. They beat Wisconsin. So they've had a true test. I watched a lot of the Oregon State-San Diego State game. And there were moments of poor offensive play. Whether they were, I don't know if they were bored or they were trying different stuff. But they didn't look like a team clicking on all cylinders. Which, I'm, as a Beaver fan, I'm hoping is a good thing. Which means they come in with a focus that, like, we didn't play all that well. I mean, we won 26-9. to But... We didn't hammer them. Well, you know, you didn't score 30 points against a team like San Diego State, but their defense played outstanding. So I think you've got, you know, a really high-profile passing attack for Washington State versus a one of the better defensive teams in the conference. I hate to say it, but again, I 
in an even game, I give the advantage to the Cougs, but they haven't Cougged it yet in a game, and I'm hoping this is the first one. And if Oregon State plays clean and they've got a better running attack so they can keep the ball out of Cam Ward in that high-profile passing attack for Washington State, I think that's Oregon State's best bet. But uh, those are the highest-profile games. Of course, uh, every other team is in action this week. We'd be doing a disservice to the listeners to drop this fun little nugget. Uh, Arizona State gets blanked by Fresno State 29-0 last week. They don't score a point against a Mountain West team. So enjoy them, Big 12. Couldn't finish this episode without that parting shot. So we're going to take a quick little break here and jump back into the NFL. hit the NFL. We just got out of week two. Lots of big games. Lots of uh, interesting outcomes. Lots of close games. A few blowouts, but really a lot of close games, you know. Um, Of course, it's early in the season. Teams are still kind of figuring out how everything's working. On Thursday, uh, Philadelphia beat the Vikings 34-28. to Pretty good game. Kind of everybody thought, thought they saw that coming. I mean, the Eagles, still good. Vikings, were just good enough last year to get in the playoffs. Like we said, won a lot of close games, and usually when that happens, the next season, the that comes back to bite you a little bit. Then it's like, oh, are you really that good? I have a feeling that the Vikings might not quite get there yeah. again this year. So that, that was on Thursday. We got Packers-Falcons. That was cool. 24-25. Falcons win. Falcons, 2-0. The 2-0 Atlanta Falcons. 2-0. The Falcons are above 500 for the first time <laughs> since 2017. Not even, like, at 2-0. At 1-0 going in, they were above 500. Above 500. That's, like, it's <laughs> not horrible. They look pretty good. You know, I mean, now on the, on, the, on the other side, the Packers, Jordan Love, it's still kind of an experiment over there. I mean, he's the fourth quarterback with three-plus touchdown passes in his first two games wow. in the NFL history. You're going to have a season full of up and downness of Jordan Love. He couldn't convert at the end. He kind of lost it at the end. You know, that's the thing. Because he's a, I mean, he's not a rookie, but he hasn't played. Right. And so that's where that kind of stuff happens, right? Mm-hmm. And so they barely squeaked that one by. Another game, we had the Raiders and the Bills. Bills rolled them. Las Vegas might be the worst team in the NFL. Yeah, we thought before the year started that they were going to do as whatever they could to be able to get Caleb Williams from USC. And then, then they beat the Denver Broncos in week one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And now the Bills the Bills are good. Now they lost yes. to the Jets in week one in a total fluke. Josh Allen played horrible, turned the ball over four times. Now in this game, he showed the Josh Allen that everybody loves. Three touchdowns, no picks, at an 80% completion rate which is his third game that he's had 80% completion rate. So he played really well. Now he's thrown the ball. I mean, he's aggressive. He was very aggressive. And so that's and that's what happens. Either you're going to throw three touchdowns or you're going to throw three picks. And I think you're also describing the difference of the Jets defense and the Raiders defense. No doubt. 
It's not just Jimmy G-led Raiders. I mean, the Jets have a for-real defense. It's top five, at least, if not top two defense in the league. And the Raiders are probably bottom three. Yeah, probably. I mean, so so they looked good. You know, Josh Allen, still aggressive. You can live with those aggressive throws. I think what's going to get him is when he runs. And he just takes a ton of con- especially when he's like he runs on second down for three yards and just gets cre and tries to take the defensive back out. There was one play in particular. He was like five yards from the first down marker and tried to leap over the defender, but he wasn't going very fast. He had to like make a juke move. He approaches the defender, kind of almost standing straight up, so not in like an athletic position to really jump high. And the defender also was kind of standing straight up, and his Josh Allen's chest hits like the player's helmet. Like he's nowhere close to jumping over, and the uh, Raider defender just drives him into the turf. And you think, what is this guy doing? Like what? This not the time to take a risk. You're way ahead. What are we doing here? Exactly. And so that's the thing. It's like, Josh is really good, but I mean, those are the kind of decisions, and all of a sudden, I mean, he's going to get hurt, and he's going to go out Yeah. if he keeps playing like that, or he's just going to use up his body in a few more seasons, and then he's done. There's, I heard uh, Eric Mangini, old NFL, not old, apologies to Eric Mangini, but (laughs) he used to coach, used to be the head coach in the NFL, and I heard him on TV said, you always hear that there's a lot of good young uh, running quarterbacks, you don't ever hear about the good old running quarterbacks for that exact reason. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady, greatest of all time, maybe the slowest ever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Okay, moving on, we got Ravens Bengals. That's a pretty good game. Yeah. Ravens came out with the win. Um, interesting stat here the Bengals had a punt return for a touchdown. First time that's happened since 2012. For Cincinnati, obviously for Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's that was the. Uh, it was also the first touchdown of the season for the Bengals. That's right. They struggled <laughs> against the Cleveland Browns. Lamar Jackson looked good. You know, he was kind of a shell of himself. And keep in mind, they're they're breaking in new offensive coordinators, so new playbook. They're trying to throw a little bit more. And kudos to the Ravens because they kind of like the mash unit out there on Friday and Saturday, just announcing a lot of injuries, a lot of backup players on both sides of the ball, defense and offense. They lose J.K. Dobbins, their uh, premier running back, so they're kind of going with the running back by committee, and they played great. They had 415 yards of offense, so now what I'm starting to question is, like, is Bengals' defense kind of getting run over in game one by the Browns? I mean, anytime you give up a lot of yards and points to Lamar Jackson, that can kind of happen to anybody, but Starting to see a trend here. Right. Joe Burrow didn't play great. He was 27 for 41, 222 yards. That's not great. Rusty. 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 Um, he you know, Now he's still, he's been hurt. He, they still have enough time to turn it on, turn it around. It's only been two games. Also, Lamar Jackson has been ice cold against the Bengals. He's 7-1 and one against Cincinnati right now. So he's just kind of got their number. And that happens sometimes in sports. Joe Burrow can beat the Chiefs most of the time. Styles make fights, you know, as they say. And that that goes in all sports. That goes in basketball. That goes in baseball. That goes in football. So sometimes another guy just sort of owns another team. The Rams always play the Seahawks tough. We saw that last week. And it sounds like the same thing for Lamar Jackson against the Bengals. Exactly. Moving on. Colts-Texans. 20-31. to Colts took it. Uh, the youngest QB matchup ever. 
Oh, interesting. I could see that. I mean, two rookie quarterbacks probably face off every year, but the fact that these kids are just so young, C.J. Stroud. They're both like barely 21. And Anthony Richardson. Yeah, Anthony Richardson comes out after a concussion. Uh, so he, he looked really good, but he was just essentially a running back. He's uh, just raw athleticism. Masquerading at yeah. as a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, very, very much Cam Newton-ish his first year. Exactly. So then Gardner Minshew came in, went 19 for 23. That's pretty good. Good enough, certainly against a Texans team that may draft another quarterback uh, this year because they're going to be high enough to draft a really good one, I think. Yeah, now, is C.J. Stroud just not good? I mean, he was 30 for 47. He went 384 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he got to throw a lot. He, he will get the opportunity, I think, to put up some big numbers because of their position in football games. Now, this is interesting, too. The Colts, since 2021, only have six wins by 10 points or more. Really? Yeah. Three are against the Texans. Ugh. Yeah. That shows you where Houston's been. I mean, they've had Davis, quarterbacks like Davis Mills. That speaks to both the teams, really. Yeah. yeah I mean, the Colts, you've only, <laughs> you can only beat the worst team by more than two scores. And they've been shuffling through some quarterbacks as well, Phillip Rivers and Matt Ryan, and that's why they both are starting rookie quarterbacks this year. Yes. So, so hopefully Anthony Richardson will come back. Hopefully that uh, concussion, they have concussion-like symptoms. I don't even know if they said he had a concussion. Um, so hopefully he's not hurt and he'll be able to come back because he's a lot of fun to watch. Again, kind of reckless, but whatever. He's a kid. That's kind of what the kids do. Chiefs, Jags. Moving on, 17-9, not the biggest scoring game ever for either of those teams. Considering both those teams are supposed to be offensive juggernauts, turns out it's a defensive struggle. Yeah. I think the lowest combined scoring game of the weekend, 17-9, and it, again, we kind of talked about that narrative. Bengals defense, not very good. Chiefs defense, really good. They slow down a good Detroit Lions offense, and they slow down a really good Jacksonville Jaguars offense. They got Chris Jones back this week. That helps. That's a huge thing. Also, you know, the Chiefs didn't score a lot of points, which will happen when Patrick Mahomes has three turnovers in the first five drives. That's a good way to lose the game. Or not, they didn't lose, but that's a good way to not score a lot of points. Yeah, and a mark of a good team when you win ugly, don't play your best you know, down in the heat in Jacksonville, Florida, a little sluggish. Travis Kelsey's first game. Looking rusty. Fumbles, dropped passes. They dropped so they dropped a punt. Yeah. At the beginning of the game. Four you know? for thirteen on third down for Kansas City, which is very unlike Kansas City. So And the Jags and the Jags kind of helped them out a little bit too, because they yeah. had they were in the red zone four times and scored. Zero touchdowns. It looked like the steel curtain for Kansas City out there. Yeah, it was rough. They also, and Kansas City wins with 12 penalties. Jacksonville had two. Kansas City had double. Anytime you have double-digit penalties, like you're, you're, you're going to be behind the sticks. You know, you lose positive plays. You're just making it that much harder on yourself. But they still came out with a win. So I, I am impressed. Yeah, you know, I, I still think the Chiefs, Again, getting it back. Travis Kelsey's first game. Chris Jones's first game back. They still, I think, have a chance to right the ship, certainly. No doubt. Moving on. Chargers, Titans. 24-27, Titans. I think we thought that the Chargers are going to be pretty good this year. I thought the Chargers had a chance to win that game, really. Um, I like Justin Herbert. Go Ducks. He's got, got a lot of upside. Didn't play great. He was 27 for 41, 305, two touchdowns. It's not bad. Right. 
It'd be nice if you could kind of get that completion percentage up a little bit. They were the Chargers were two for fourteen on third down, so it just makes it really hard to convert and and extend long drives and score a lot of points. And the Tennessee Titans are like that team that they lose to teams they should beat. They beat teams they should lose to. You know, they always play up or down to the talent they're playing against. They never really get blown out. You know, kind of a tough coach team. You don't really know what you're going to get. They almost beat the Saints week one. Now they barely beat the Chargers in week two. That's like the Titans for you. They just, Ryan Tannehill, inconsistent. You look like his career's over. Then he has a couple of long throws. And it's just like an odd game. The whole time I thought, I mean, Chargers at one point, they were up uh, to start the game. They were ahead 11-0. to And you're like, okay, settling in. They're going to do their thing. And then Tennessee comes back. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Tennessee's been kind of looking for an identity for. I mean, this is they coming into this game, they lost eight games in a row going back to last season. And then interesting, you know, it was overtime and it started raining. They kicked a field goal on third down. <laughs> like, let's get <laughs> to out of win here. the game. Yeah, like, so that was kind of interesting. Like, our offense is so bad. Let's just go for it. Let's, yeah, you know, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. So, so who knows what'll happen with the Titans? I have a feeling the Chargers are gonna win a few more games, certainly. But they're nonetheless not the start they wanted. Zero and two, and I'll drop this stat. This stat now, uh, since two thousand two. 99 teams have started 0-3 in the NFL, and only one of them has made the playoffs, and that was the Houston Texans in 2018. So you, which makes a lot of sense. If you go 0-3 with 17 games in the season, that gives you 14 games to win nine, and you probably need 10 wins to make it to the playoffs. So you got to go 10 and four. That's a that's hard for even the best teams. Yeah, for sure. All right, next game up, Giants-Cardinals. Now, the Giants are coming off the worst home loss in team history. They lost 40-0 to to the Cowboys last week. I mean, and just was awful. And then they didn't score till the third quarter. They went scoreless in the first six quarters of the season. That hasn't happened since 1934. And they looked as bad as that sounds. Getting rocked, too. 60-0 to zero was the point total by the time. They were on their way to another 40-0 to zero blowout. Awful. They finally scored in the third quarter. <laughs> Daniel Jones ran it in. Um, rough rough game, though, for the Giants. Um, they did win. They did win. Oh, that, uh, they, but, of course, they're playing Arizona, who also might be the worst team. We got, like, three or four teams kind of racing to the basement. <laughs> you know, right, right. Now, Saquon Barkley goes out in the fourth quarter with an ankle injury. Oh, boy. And I think uh, Adam Schefter's latest report, uh, insider reporter from ESPN, said at least three weeks, I think. So it didn't look good when it happened. He kind of got bent. I actually happened to be watching that play live. He got bent back, awkward, mm. like that classic. And you could, ugh, you just knew it right then and there. Like, ugh, that's, that's no good. So right. unfortunate for them. I mean, if you're a Giants fan, you're galvanized. You're like, we won. It's great. But to Pat's point, the Arizona Cardinals, woof. Yeah, I mean that was the, that was they tied the largest comeback in franchise history with a twenty-one point comeback. So good for them. Um, still not expecting much from the Giants this season. No, and in the NFC East, they're in the same division with the Cowboys, who might be the best team in the NFL. They're in the same division as the Eagles, 
who might be the also in the top five in the NFL. So they still have to play. Well, they already played the Cowboys. So they still have to play the Eagles twice, Cowboys once more. And the Commanders are scrappy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Speaking of those Cowboys, let's take a look. They went over and played the Jets. They beat the Jets, of course. It's 10 to 30. Now, we don't you know. Jets went all in on Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. Blew out his Achilles in game one. Four plays into the game. The uh, New York Jets right now. I mean, and they did, and they played poorly. I mean, Zach Wilson, twelve for twenty-seven, one hundred and seventy yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. Some of these stats are wild. They they were one for ten on third down, so they have a ten percent chance at converting on third down. Quick math for you: the Jets ran forty-six offensive plays. The Cowboys ran 83, Ugh. so almost twice as much. So even as good as the Jets' defense is, and it is top three in the NFL, when you have to play twice as many plays, you just don't have the stamina. And the any team can just lean on you and wear you down and wear you down. It's no surprise that the Cowboys beat the Jets. Even if Aaron Rodgers was quarterbacking the Jets, the Cowboys still might have beat them, to be honest. For sure. The Cowboys are that good. but um, They put up 30 points. I mean, it's hard to hard to get over that. Yes. No, to your, to your point, I mean, we're not surprised by the outcome, but the Jets are in a world of hurt. The Jets are in a world of hurt. Tangent. This is where I think this is what I think should happen. So the Jets, obviously, so they made that move to get Aaron Rodgers. After they did that, they built this entire team kind of around him. They made the defense awesome. They have all these weapons, and then he goes down. Here's the question: Should the Jets be looking for another quarterback? If they should be to try to kind of salvage this season, because I'm sorry, Zach Wilson, you do not appear to be the guy. So who do the Jets go for? I'm gonna throw this out there, and I'm not the first one to do it. But I, here, here's one: Kirk Cousins, current quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings, current starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, the 0 and 2 Minnesota Vikings, who are not very good, and I have a feeling are kind of diving. I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to get better as a quarterback. Uh, his, in terms of his career, I don't think we're not. You know, That's fair. He's he's. On I would say probably the downward slope. Still good. He's not. He's not a bad quarterback. In his best weeks, maybe top ten, you know. But he's in the last year of his contract right now. So the Vikings, if they if they lose to the Chargers this week, you know I'm sure GM for New York is going to be blowing him up and like, all right, let's see if we can make this happen. Yeah. Because now is Kirk Cousins good enough to? win multiple Super Bowls with the Jets? I don't know about that. But the Jets have so many weapons around. All he really needs to do is to facilitate the offense, kind of like what Brock Purdy is doing. I think Brock Purdy might be a little bit better than Kirk Cousins, but the pieces are there. All he's got to do is hand the ball off, make a few passes, not throw three interceptions a game. That would be helpful. Which Kirk can do. Which Kirk can do. Yeah. And then just let the defense play. There's a lot of options for the Jets right now. I mean, do you just eat the season? Uh, no. And you, no, you don't because you'll lose the fan base. You'll lose the players in the locker room. They have put so much thought and care into this season. And that's where I think last week I was thinking 
no, you don't bring in someone new. Zach Wilson, you'll not only destroy his psyche, but he's been there all training camp. Let's see if he can improve throughout the year. And now, at the same time, did he look terrible against the Dallas Cowboys defense? Yes. A lot, in fairness to Zach, in this moment, a lot of quarterbacks are going to look bad. They may not look as bad as Zach Wilson did, but they're going to look. Daniel Jones looked like a pro bowler against the Cardinals. He looked unemployable against the Cowboys. He looked so bad. So the Cowboys are going to make a lot of quarterbacks look bad. That being said, nonetheless, the sky kind of sort of is falling right now uh, in the Jets world. And it is because of Zach Wilson. And I had mentioned to Pat prior to this, and he's throwing the name Kirk Cousins around. I'm like, I don't know. You just need somebody a little bit better. But even if you get somebody a little bit better than Zach, if you still are losing two-thirds of your games, which is looking like what's going to happen, then what's the point of getting anybody anyways? So you do have to get someone who can at least get you to 10 wins. So you have like a slight possibility if you make it deep into the playoffs and Aaron Rodgers, his prediction comes to fruition and he comes back miraculously faster than any human in the history uh, of modern medicine has come back from an Achilles tear. He is saying some crazy outlandish things that he can come back in like three or four months. I appreciate the self-confidence, but that's taking it to an all-time level. I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm not against the idea. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, this weekend they're playing the Patriots at home. If they lose, or certainly if they get blown out, it's all over. Because, of course, in their division, they now have to play the Miami Dolphins. Good segue. Who who came in, who we are, everybody was thinking, oh, they might be okay. You know, like they could be pretty good. Bills probably take the division, of course, with Aaron Rodgers. That was, but now he's gone. But now, hey, the Dolphins are looking good. Played the Patriots over the weekend. Now the Patriots, <laughs> not as good as they used to be. <laughs> they don't have Tom Brady at quarterback. They don't have Tom Brady at quarterback. They now lost to the Dolphins, twenty four seventeen. Um, Dolphins looking good. The game did come down to the wire. I mean, it was a close game. And they were they were in Foxborough. The score, yes, it was close, and there were chances for New England. They had multiple times when they were on offense to move. What I was impressed about with Miami, because I was the first one on last week's episode, I said, I was like, well, the, the hype train is running off the tracks here for the Dolphins after we, one week, one two-point victory over the Chargers, who again, the Chargers, they lost again this week to a ten, an average Tennessee team, so I'm not so sure how good they are. But they, what I was impressed about with Miami in this week, so kind of eating a little bit of crow, is week one, they throw the ball all over the place. Tua has 450-plus yards. They look outstanding. This week, they did it with running the football. So anytime you can win in different ways, you're that much more dangerous and that much harder to game plan for. So kudos to Mike McDaniel and his staff. I watched most of the game. Sunday night, and they really looked effective running the ball against a Bill Belichick coach defense who prides himself on stopping the run first. Uh, Patriots are 0-2 for the first time since 2001. There you go. Is this the end of of Big Billy Belichick, or is this the beginning of the end? He's trying as hard as he can to take down like Don Shula's all-time uh, wins record and he's like 33 away I want to say obviously we can do the math that's three 11 win seasons I don't, don't think they're getting there this year no 
Not in not, that division. And and not starting 0-2. Mm-mm. Now, yeah, he's not going to get to 11 wins this year. And so I don't think that's going to happen. And so it would be very interesting to see if Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, if they go 7, 6 wins, if they pull the plug. I don't think they would this year. I think they'd keep him around for one more year, but I don't. They'd have to make some massive personnel changes. Right. Right in between Miami and Foxborough, of course, you got D.C., home of the Commanders, and they uh, they took it to the Broncos in Denver over the weekend, uh, 35-33. to Exciting game, back and forth. Exciting game. Russell Wilson looked better, didn't look terrible. Not terrible. I don't think he's up to, like, old Seahawk Russell Wilson standards, and Sean Payton had this look on his face that he, like— was disgusted with Russell Wilson's play. He just was not satisfied the whole time. Right. I felt like I was watching a youth sports parent who was like really, really good and their kid was like average and kind of sucked and the dad was just like, you're not as good as I want you to be and I'm annoyed at that. Like that was the look on Sean Payton's face. It's Fair a, or not. It's a really interesting dynamic over there because obviously it seems like Sean Payton just doesn't like Russell Wilson. <laughs> You know, like, and Russell Wilson is not, you know, he, like you said, he's not as good as he was for the Seahawks. He's not bad. We know he can play. He knows how to play football. So you'd think Sean Payton would be like, all right, let's make this work. But he, you're, as you were saying, he doesn't seem to want to go there. Like, at the end of the game, Wilson throws that crazy last-second Hail Mary that never works, and it worked. Now, now they needed to get a two-point conversion to tie the game and send it into overtime. Did they do that? No, they didn't. And Russell Wilson got a lot of help from the commander's defense. That ball lands at about the five. So if nothing happens, that ball just hits the ground. But the commanders decided to play volleyball yeah. and like tap it up, tap it up one more time towards the goal line instead of away. I mean, it Which was is just, like vintage Russell Wilson. It's kind of how Russell Wilson has won some games, you know, in the past. And that's just Sean Payton is used, is used to winning games convincingly with Drew Brees. And so I don't think he likes... I think Sean Payton kind of made his mind up and was just like, I'm not going to like this guy. Seems to be. Seems to be like, he, yeah, he's just like, I'm going to do whatever I can to railroad this guy out of here somehow. In regard, You know, like, yeah, interesting. Very, very interesting dynamic. Oh, there was one more game, saving the best for last, of course. The Seahawks and the Lions, <laughs> great game if you're a Seattle fan. Uh, I have to admit, I watched the first bit of it, and they didn't look great. I watched like the first Seahawk series or so when they came down, and they had, you know, whatever, about a dozen chances to bang it in from like nine yards out, and they just couldn't get it until they finally did. And I thought, oh, boy, this is going to be a game. But, hey, they righted it. A win is a win. You don't apologize for winning in the NFL or in professional sports. They The whole time, before the game, I think, especially after last week in Seattle lays the egg, you think, oh, in Detroit, Detroit looked good beating Kansas City. This is not going to bode well. Hopefully Seattle will at least look better. And they were competitive. You take wins, and you really take them on the road. Against an NFC opponent, there's a uh, absolutely a world where the Seahawks are battling for playoff position against Detroit. So that this is a big win against them, and you have you know a Seattle team with nine penalties in the game to Detroit's only four. Otherwise, that that's really only, the only telling statistic. But Seattle righted the ship at least for one week, and they avoid the 0-2 hole, and they get to one and one, and you're feeling better. 
you're feeling better as a Seattle Seahawks fan, especially with, you know, a banged-up offensive line. When I heard that last week, I thought, oh, this is going to be Detroit's game for sure. And now Seattle gets the 0-2 Carolina Panthers next week at home. Carolina has to travel cross-country. They get the rookie quarterback, Bryce Young, who I think isn't as bad as he looked in the preseason. He's looking just a skosh better. We're recording this Monday night, and they lose to the Saints. He looked okay in that game against New Orleans. New Orleans has a real defense. But I like Seattle's chances to get get to 2-1, and one, kind of turn it around. And, you know, right now the only loss is to a pretty good Rams team. Right. The Rams, you know, who knows? They could they could really show this year. So Seahawks are looking good. They got the Giants the week after that. So hey, who knows? They could they could they could come. And then, you know, they do gotta still play the Niners a couple times and they gotta play the Rams again. And then they gotta play the Bengals and they gotta play the Chiefs and they gotta So we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm I'm expecting who knows? I don't actually I don't know what I'm expecting. At first this year, I kind of thought they were going to backslide a little bit, but then they beat Detroit. I don't know. I'm not expecting them to win the Super Bowl. I hate to say it. No. To but, be determined. Yeah, I kind of for for after last week I thought, "Oh boy, there's no way they're even going to make the playoffs." But now, I mean, they could squeak in in a wild card kind of yeah. way. Yeah. The same way they did last year. Looking forward to next week. Not a ton of games on the slate that are ultra compelling. Like we said, Chargers and Vikings, battle of the 0-2 teams. So whoever can stay out of the ugly hole that is 0-3. Rams, Bengals. You know, Rams, the surprise team of this year so far. Matt Stafford looking like a 25-year-old Matt Stafford, not a 35-year-old. Kudos to him. And Puka Nakua, who apparently is a reincarnation of Jerry Rice. He only ha- he only catches 10 balls a game so far. He Two games in his professional career, 10-plus catches in both games. That's ridiculous. Not sustainable, but he could call me wrong. Yeah, for sure. Colts-Ravens, that could be a good game this week. I mean, yeah. especially if Anthony Richardson can come back, that'd be fun to watch. You know, I think Patriots-Jets, like we were saying, that has potential big— that game might be kind of boring. Right. But the ramifications for what happens after that game for both teams, mm-hmm. win or lose, is really, you know, like Zach Wilson's playing for his job right now, and to some level, Belichick is probably too— I mean, they got to yeah. show. You know, I mean, if he, if he goes zero and three, I mean, now granted, he's done a lot for the Patriots, more than arguably anybody has, except for maybe Tom Brady. Does Robert Kraft sit him down and go, "Okay, Billy"? <laughs> oh, he wants. To, I mean, Robert Kraft isn't in the position he's in because he wasn't successful. So, I think that will be a an interesting narrative to follow throughout the year, especially if they go to 0-3 and, and then it's kind of for sure not making the playoffs. And then the only battle of the two unbeaten teams, Philadelphia Eagles, not a surprise. They're doing, they're taking care of business. Not like super convincing wins, but again, a couple of wins versus the Baker Mayfield Buccaneers. So you talk about a surprise. This is why we love professional sports. You would not have predicted the NFC South has three 2-0 teams, the Saints, the Falcons, and the Buccaneers. And you would not have predicted Baker Mayfield looking as good as he does. Now, he's not. they're not blowing teams out. They beat the Vikings by four. They beat the Bears by ten. And the Bears do not look good. But a win is a win is a win. And they're scrappy enough. I give them a, a puncher's chance against the Eagles to keep it close, especially since Philadelphia doesn't look like the same team they were last year yet, at least. Exactly. Well, I mean, Baker Mayfield, 2-0 and for the first time in his career. 
Yeah. You know, Mike Evans, six receptions for 171 yards last week and a touchdown. And, you know, Baker, 300 passing yards, no interceptions. Yeah. I mean, playing smart football, that's the other thing. You know, they're not no no turnovers last week for Tampa Bay. That helps. Their defense, when they won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady, Tom Brady was good, but he didn't have like 300 yards in the Super Bowl. They won with defense, if we all remember. Like they shut down Patrick Mahomes and a high, they, when they had Tyreek Hill and everybody, like Kansas City was the offense that couldn't be stopped. And Tampa Bay's defense was the one that stopped it. And a lot of those guys got hurt last year. They didn't play all that well. So they're back playing. Really balanced football. Three hundred passing yards last week, over a hundred rushing yards. So, so yeah, no, no, no super lights out games for week three, but certainly it'll be a fun, entertaining Sunday, and uh, we're really looking forward to that. All right, everybody, that's been this episode. We'll check you next week after week three. All right. <laughs>